this episode, we're talking about lasers. We're going to cover what they are, how they're made, and go over some of the safety aspects related to using lasers. So, let's start with what lasers are. LASER is an acronym for light amplification by the stimulated emission of radiation. Lasers produce light that has three special properties. They are monochromatic, meaning that they consist of only one wavelength of light, coherent, meaning that all of the light waves are in phase with each other, and columnated, meaning that the laser beam does not diverge or spread out with distance. This makes them useful for precise targeting and for taking precise measurements. So, how are lasers made? Well, to understand that, we'll have to cover some basic quantum physics principles first. But don't worry, it's not all that much, and I'll try to keep it quite simple. Electrons, as you probably know, are the negatively charged particles whizzing around the nuclei of atoms. Each electron, in fact each fundamental particle, has an energy associated with it. The lowest energy a particle can have is called its ground state. You can imagine increasing the energy by lifting an electron up from this ground. The higher from the ground, the more energy. Now the strange thing about our universe is that particles are unable to occupy just any level of energy. There are only specific levels that can be occupied. So instead of an electron being able to sit anywhere along a smooth hill rising up from the ground state, it's more like taking it up a flight of stairs or a ladder. The electron can only have these specific energies and has to jump between them. Electrons can be made to gain energy and jump up this staircase by absorbing light particles or photons. Conversely, when they fall down the staircase, they emit photons and give up energy. A photon's wavelength, and therefore colour, is inversely proportional to its energy. And because the electrons can only fall specific distances, they can only give out their energy as photons of specific wavelengths. This emission of photons is how the light for a laser is generated. All the electrons in a substance will emit photons at a specific wavelength, and so the light is monochromatic. And because the energy levels electrons can occupy is determined by the chemicals and atoms that the electron is a part of, the wavelength of lasers is also determined by these chemicals. That is why different lasing mediums produce different coloured lasers. Another thing to know is that electrons can be provoked to give up their energy by having a photon pass by them. This is called stimulated emission, like in the acronym. When a photon passes an energetic electron, that electron gives up a photon whose light wave has the same phase and is travelling in the same direction as the passing, or incident, photon. So you end up with two photons from one passing by. This is the amplification from the laser acronym. So now we kind of know some of the physics behind how lasers are generated, let's see how the equipment works. A laser generator consists of a lasing chamber. This is a sealed tube or box that contains a lasing medium. This medium is what has the electrons that give off the correct wavelength of photons that you want. Lasing mediums can be solids, liquids or gases. We'll talk about a few examples of these later on in the episode. The chamber also has a light bulb or some other way of energising the lasing medium. This is how it manages to get all of its electrons in the lasing medium to a high energy state, and therefore ready to emit photons. Photons from the bulb usually act as a trigger, giving off the initial photon to trigger all the electrons to release their energy. 
Finally, the ends of the tube are made of mirrors. One side is a full mirror and reflects all photons that hit it, and the other side is a semi-reflective mirror that lets half the photons that hit it pass through. This is the end that your laser shoots out of. There can also be an aperture or a hatch to allow the controlled firing of the laser. So that's pretty much it. When you turn it on, the lasing medium is energized and an initial photon is released. This triggers the electrons to also release photons when it passes them. These are then reflected back and forth, further triggering the release of more photons. All of these photons move in the same direction, either back or forth, and have the same wavelength. Half of the photons will pass through the semi-reflective mirror, and these are what form your laser beam. So now let's look at the properties of different types of laser beams and how this affects the effect that they have on tissues. The depth of penetration of a laser is dependent on how easily a photon gives up its energy to the tissues. There are no real hard and fast rules. X-rays pass easily through tissues and have an extremely small wavelength. But radio waves, which have an extremely large wavelength, also pass easily through tissues. It's just that they don't interact with the chemicals in our bodies. However, in general, for medical lasers, the longer the wavelength, the deeper the penetration. Also, the more energy that you put into a laser, the more energy you give off to the tissues, and so the more damage or coagulation that you'll get. As we said earlier, the wavelength of lasers are affected by their lasing medium, so let's go over three common ones. Carbon dioxide, NDYAG, and argon. Carbon dioxide is a gaseous lasing medium and produces a far-infrared laser. This is therefore not visible light. Its wavelength is 10,600 nanometers, and it's used for both cutting as a laser scalpel and coagulation. NDYAG, which stands for neodymium doped yttrium aluminium garnet, is a solid crystal lasing medium. It produces an infrared laser at a wavelength of 1,064 nanometers and is used for cutting and coagulation, especially in endoscopy. Argon is a gaseous lasing medium and produces a blue laser. Its wavelength is around 500 nanometers, and it's used for retinal procedures and ablating port wine birthmarks. Finally, let's talk a bit about safety surrounding lasers. Lasers can be categorized by how dangerous they are. The main tissues at risk of damage are the skin and the retinas. The ability of a laser to damage these is based on its power, so how much energy it can deliver per second, and its wavelength. Certain wavelengths are less likely to trigger a blink reflex, and so can cause serious damage to your retinas. Category 1 and 2 lasers are generally safe for use without eye protection, and examples can be found in CD or DVD players and laser pointers. Category 3 and 4 lasers require the use of eye protection and can cause significant damage to the eyes and skin. Another risk of lasers is burning through airway equipment, such as endotracheal tubes or igniting gas mixtures. So, what do we do in theatre to minimise the risks of lasers to the patient and to staff? Firstly, we minimise the use of lasers. We tend to try to use short, sharp bursts where possible, and we turn off the laser machine when it's not in use. There's a laser safety officer whose sole task is controlling the laser's settings and switching it on and off. 
Secondly, we reduce the number of people exposed to theatres. Only integral members of staff should be in theatres when the laser is in operation. There are locks on the doors and signs outside telling other people to avoid entering theatre whilst the laser is in use. We also use special protection equipment to protect our eyes. All members of staff, and in some cases the patient, will wear eye protection that is specific to the laser being used. As each laser has a different wavelength, the eye protection needs to block out the specific wavelength for that laser to provide adequate protection. There is also a recommendation to minimise the use of reflective surfaces, but having matte black instruments is still not entirely compulsory. Finally, we use strategies to avoid fires, especially in the airway. We ensure all skin prep is dried so that the flammable alcohol has evaporated away. We use as low an oxygen content as possible, usually an FiO2 of around 30%. Most anaesthetic gases are non-flammable, but nitrous oxide is a potent oxidizer and supports combustion, so we avoid the use of nitrous oxide in airway surgeries. And we also use a special laser-proof endotracheal tube for airway surgery. These tubes have two balloons to avoid the leak of gases even if one balloon ruptures. And sometimes the balloons are filled with saline or blue dye to make it more obvious when they do rupture. They also have a matte metal exterior to prevent damage to the tube itself when using lasers. Right, so that's about it for this episode. Today you've learnt about the energy levels of electrons and how changing these energy levels can be used to produce photons. You've learnt how this can be used in a special apparatus to produce laser beams, and we've talked about the properties of lasers and how their wavelength can be affected by the lasing medium. Finally, we've gone over the safety considerations that need to be considered when using lasers. Thanks so much for listening. If you've liked this episode, please feel free to subscribe through your podcast player of choice. You can also find all of these episodes online at planaprimary.co.uk. Remember, this entire series is going to be published absolutely free, so please share this with anyone who you think might find it useful. If you've got any questions, feedback, or just want to request a topic, feel free to email me at questions at planaprimary.co.uk, or you can leave a comment by this episode online.